Awesome date. February 27th, 2012. Awesome topic. We're actually recording a podcast of 2012. It's the Awesome Cast! Welcome to Rock and Roll Fight. I'm just a rock and roll man. We just a rock and roll band. We're not doing Penguin Drum yet. Anyways, hey folks, it's the Awesome Cast. I'm Basil. I'm Douglas. I'm Kevin. And that's us. And it's actually 2012. And we're recording. Yay! In 2012. Yep. This is actually releasing tomorrow. Should we start out with some of the bad news for why it's been since... I covered it in the previous episode that I released. Okay, so, so everybody's already know of the tragic falling yes. of the awesome cast. That was not so awesome. It's true, but we're back. I will not say better than ever, but by God, it's going to be pretty great. Pretty awesome. We've got Bruce here. Yes, we have a special guest star, Bruce the dog, who will probably not be speaking much, but he will probably be making various noises and adding his input in facial expressions that sadly you will not be able to see, but we will go ahead and tell you they're all very cute. It's very true. So, what's been everybody been up to lately? That tells you what we've been up to lately. (laughs) Um, I've been killing myself with schoolwork. Yeah. It's, It's true. College is back in session. That's actually one of the reasons what took so long to get back in the groove is that Doug and I both had to get back to the groove going back to school. That can be a rough groove to get back into sometimes. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Well, like I say, like I know. I'm the one who's never been to college. <laughs> and much like schoolwork, believe it or not, is panel work, which is important because I'll be doing panels pretty freaking soon. I'm doing panels for Momocon, which is the 16th through 18th in Atlanta, Georgia. I'll be doing manga you need to own right now, where I'll talk about a bunch of manga you should own right now. All stuff that's in print, it's all good, and you should own it, or at least some of them. Getting your anime groove back, which is my thing, where if you've been out of anime lately, here are some neat shows that you really should be paying attention to, one of which we'll be talking about tonight. Oh, yes. Like, which is probably something that's been very much talked about in the same circles that who probably will be listening to this. But too bad, we're talking about it anyways. Actually, um, on the note of getting your anime groove back, I don't even know if this is so much of a getting your anime groove back as much as introducing anime to new people. You and I were having a conversation about this not long ago. If you're trying to show anime to people who are wanting to get into anime but they haven't really, Blue Exorcist is actually a pretty good shonen anime to just kind of introduce the shonen genre. I never really warmed up to Blue Exorcist. I didn't watch well, more than a f- couple episodes, but the, I never the, really the warmed prob- up to it. The problem with Blue Exorcist is also, in my opinion, its greatest strength is that it's pretty much a, it's pretty much a by the numbers shonen show, mm. which it's done well. So I think it's great, which is why it's a good intro. It's why it's a good introduction, and there's not like a hundred episodes, so it doesn't take forever to get into it. True. So yeah, we've discovered it makes a really good introductory show, just in general. But. I guess with that, we will move into, uh, what's the other one? Oh yeah, English Jamboree. I'm doing a panel where I show clips of people saying Japanese things terribly. 
<laughs> oh. And later on, but these three panels will also be taking place at MTAC, which will be happening in April. Well, you're not probably not watching it. There's been a couple of amazingly Englishy scenes in Symphogear. gear. I'm sure there is. But speaking of stuff like that, moments of awesome. It's a moment of awesome. Do you want to think of something else for Moment of Awesome, or do you want to let Blue Extra stand? Uh, actually, I got a couple of things for Moment of Awesome. Go for it. I don't know that we will ever do a show on it, because it's a, it's a little bit more of a slow-paced kind of art piece. Natsume Yojin Show. Book of Friends. Yeah, it, it's better, like, it can also be called Book of Friends. The actual Japanese is Natsume Yojin Show. And it's a really great little piece of anime. It's available on Country Roll. Basically, my entire Moment of Awesome is stemming from the fact that Basil has left his ro- has kindly left his Roku here in my house and I have that has been allowing me to watch all kinds of anime off Crunchyroll. It's given me access to Netflix. So I'm mostly just dropping these names because these are an- all anime that I've watched and I thought are really great that you can watch legal you can watch legally for like a relatively inexpensive like free it's like a it's like a monthly subscription fee to these services and a lot of you might already have them anyway crunch rolls neat because either a you can watch it a week later yeah yeah you know for free just with ads or you can pay like seven or eight bucks a month get an hd up to 1080p mm-hmm. you know the day after japan like most fan subs, but guess what? It's official. It's legal. If you're going to be watching it, anime... It actually it. supports the anime industry. And someone wants to well, it's like renting. And I've realized, no, it's not like renting. You get to watch stuff with ads if you choose so, or watch stuff without ads if you choose to pay. This is like watching it on broadcast TV. Yeah, it is. And it's it's a great thing. And you can I'm watch so... the regular channel, or you can pay for the premium channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I'm so happy for it. Uh, and a couple of the things that I've been watching on it: uh, One Blue Exorcist is on Crunchyroll. Dorara is on uh, Crunchyroll, and uh, Magical Girl Madoka is on Crunchyroll. So if you missed any of those shows, they're now available on Crunchyroll. If you can talk, if, if you don't mind looking at the ads, it's for free. If you want to pay the small subscription fee for the month, uh, which they actually have a free trial. So you can get the free trial yeah. and you can watch those shows. And, uh, and you can... Madoka Magica, definitely worth checking out if you haven't. Yeah, uh, and also Netflix has started... Netflix has a bunch more anime than they used to. Do they have any subtitled stuff yet? No, everything is dubbed on Netflix, but most of the dubs are pretty good. Like, Bacano, I actually think Bacano might... Well, it's not better dubbed, but the Bacano <laughs> dubbed is very well done. I believe there is now one show that is subtitled. Oh? On Netflix. I can't remember the name. I remember hearing about it and realizing that it was a really crappy show. Was it... Shortly. Uh, it was noir. Oh, noir. Noir is subtitled. Like, man, boy, did they pick a really yeah. shitty show to... That show seemed kind well, of promising at first, and it went crappy really quick. Well, things like Howl's Moving Castle are on Netflix, too. And, you know, some some really good stuff is mm. on Netflix. So, if you haven't... If you have Netflix and you haven't checked out what 
anime is on Netflix, check it out. You'll be happily surprised. You know, and a Roku is a really useful device. They're between like 60 and 100 bucks. Yeah. You know, as long as you have a broadband connection, it's Wi-Fi. And you can use it for any sort of streaming you want. You can do Pandora, yeah. Netflix, Hulu Plus, Crunchyroll. I know Funimation for their block, their thing. They're planning on a Roku app later on. And man, if you want to just dump your DVDs, Crunchyroll is becoming a really good service. I checked it out the other day. I wasn't planning, but eh, let's move on. I'm awesome. Um, and while it's not the best thing for the new shows that are coming out, if you watch anything in Funimation's recent backlog of actual stuff they're producing on discs, yeah. it's got like everything. It's got like 200 shows that you can wow. watch and stream in HD if it's available, if you know if it was made for HD, right. you know, without ads. And it's just there. They're like, just watch. It's like, it's, it's like seven or eight bucks a month as well and you can just watch it watch all of it and if that's a really good service for the amount of money you're spending and if you want to save some money on discs and you want to have walls and walls of dvds and blu-rays and don't want to spend the money for it it's not a bad way to spend your money instead and watch all this stuff without having to torrent everything well i, I used to be a big I used to be a big proponent of actually, like, the fan subs and the torrenting because, you know, I, I was making the argument that, you know, what the fan subbers were offering was a better product. It was, it was a, it was a good, solid translation of the anime that aired very, like, within days of it airing. But the thing is, is that there's now services that are doing that, that are legitimate, that aren't piracy. I've seen a couple where they kind of have had really crappy translators, just, sometimes just for an episode, sometimes for the whole series. Are you talking about, um... On the streaming stuff. Uh, oh. I've seen hmm. a few. Well, the tr well, the trick is is that a lot of these people, for one thing, for example, Funimation. Yeah. Let's say they when they work with Nico Nico to do stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. they're, they're you know, this is a very fast turnaround. Yeah. Um the other thing is that I know a lot of these people who are doing it are in fact originally fan subbers that Crunchyroll and other people have hired. Right. To do stuff. Yeah. Now, it's rare. Thing, I'm, I should say it's rare that it, I've watched it, an episode. It's occasionally, like, for example, a recent episode of Venetia Space Pirates. It is obviously that someone ran it through spell checker and weren't paying attention. Yeah, I, I think I know. I think we're thinking of the same <laughs> thing. Um, and I don't think the translation was bad. I think it got spell checked incorrectly. And just the quality quality control missed it somehow on the way yeah. out. But I bet if you check the episode now, it's probably been fixed. Yeah, but but that's the thing. They fix if there's a mistake like that, they fix it, and and you'll never they'll either fix it and you'll never know, or uh, or it's just like a mistake because the turnaround time is seriously like just like with yeah. a few days after it airs in Japan, if not a day. And also, there's a lot of really crappy fan subbers out there. There are. There's yeah. some really good ones. Not everybody is GG. <laughs> like no, but at least they usually pick up the good shows that aren't getting streamed. So. Well, that, mm -hmm. and that's also that's also one part of their plan is to do stuff. And I'm not saying that torrents are are completely obsolete. There are some stuff that you can only watch via torrents. Like for example, I've been watching lately Aim for the Ace. Yeah, it's one of the best tennis shows ever. It's one of the best shows ever. It's one of the uh, uh, Dazaki's works. It's it's really good. Whether you like sports drama, character drama, or chicks with long legs and short skirts. It's got it for you. Now it is 70s, and so it does show your age, and I'm watching some fans. 70s, which means it's awesome. And, <laughs> you know, in, in the translation, while well, it's serviceable, there's, they do like to leave a lot of words just plain old untranslated. And 
I had that problem with Star Driver. Mm-hmm. Like, again, I've been watching Crunchyroll, and Star Driver is on Crunchyroll, and I was watching all of it, and they did not actually translate uh, the Ginga Bashonen. Now, I knew from previous friends that Ginga Bashonen is galactic pretty boy and i guess they must have decided i guess they must have decided that having him actually be called the uh galactic pretty boy was just ridiculous embarrassing just made it more awesome but that the the thing is is that's part of the show i it like even in japanese something being called the ginga bashonen is ridiculous and stupid I, and embarrassing. I particularly, I particularly love later in the show when other characters in the show start proclaiming themselves galactic pretty boys, even when they're women on occasion. Uh, <laughs> yes, those characters are quite interesting. Um, well, the, well, and the trick with that one is that that was originally fan sub by Gigi. Yeah. yeah. And they actually... Ginga Bashona doesn't exactly equate to Galactic Pretty Boy. What they did was the tran- what some of the translators of that one from GG, they read and translated a, um, or at least they read a interview with the director and scriptwriter. Uh huh. And one of the things was he wanted something that was that was intentionally embarrassing to say, yeah. and was reminiscent of things like Astro well, Boy. Ginga is galaxy. Be shown in as pretty boy. It's pretty literal, actually. That's that's but, really. You know, and that's why. They, well, they said it wasn't exact. Well, you're both right. It 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 is literally galactic pretty boy, but. You know, Japanese does not translate directly into English in any mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. So at the same time, it's all the statement that it's it's not exactly Galactic Pretty Boy is also true. But the point is, it was supposed to be an yeah, embarrassing it's not, title. It's yeah. not something anyone in their right mind would call themselves. <laughs> I, I do have to say though, if y'all watch Star Driver, I give it a recommend. The last episode is one has one of the best mecha battles I've seen in a long time. I'm I'm still really undecided. Like I watched that whole thing. Like it, it, to me, the show had one big problem, which is that you know most shows kind of introduce you to the setting. They kind of introduce you to the characters. They kind of slowly build up to the to the fact that something larger might be at play. This show, no, pretty much straight up from the first episode, for no apparent reason, there's a secret cabal of bad guys that are doing something on the island, and, and, you, and you're yeah. just thrown headfirst into on it. On a rewatching of some of the early episodes, I've subsequently realized they were literally just getting started themselves, the evil secret organization. They literally had never called up one of the big giant robots till that day. Well, no, I thought that I thought that was made pretty apparent by the yeah. end of the episode. Yeah, I, I find well, like, I don't know. I well, find not at the end of the episode, but by the end of the series, like because yeah. you know when they do the flashbacks, they do the flashbacks back to like fifteen years, you know, before all the main characters would have been born, and you know they're just doing research. They're not actually activating the giant right. robots until pretty much the first episode. Yes. But oh god, that that's just a plot that is just. Yeah, the, I think the show makes a little more sense on a second viewing, but I don't know. I'm I'm a big Bones fan. It's done by Bones. I have a hard time. They have a hard time doing any wrong with me. It actually, and, in a lot of ways, in my opinion, was a little Utena esque. Well, it had one of the writers, which <laughs> might explain why you, why you like it so much. Yeah. Um, it was a little Utena esque in that it's it. 
you know, at some point you realize that this show has a very, very super duper convoluted plot and it doesn't bother to really tell it to you so much as the super convoluted plot is just happening Why, at the same time as this relatively normal high school yeah. drama. Well, and you just sort of have to piece it together. Yeah, Star Driver is kind of written like Utena as opposed to Penguin Drum being kind of directed like Utena. So, yeah, they both have good things. Well, my big thing is, that, hey, yes, you know, I actually really like the fact that they went balls deep episode one. Like? <laughs> like, that was really fun. It felt like I was getting splashed with cold water in the very first and went oh wow all right well let's let's see what let's see how deep this pool goes and it goes pretty deep it, it, it um, does it does well that, that's that's why i have mixed feelings like i'm still undecided if if i think i am going to have to watch it a second time to decide if i liked it or not i will say i will say the script writer you who also wrote help write the script for Tana, he also wrote the script for melody of oblivion Ah, and yeah. I was told sense. in that same interview that the scriptwriter was gets, go, gets to cut loose and go wild in Star Driver. Let me tell you, compared to <laughs> Melody of Oblivion, this oh. man did not go wild. This man did not go wild. If you want him seeing going wild, you go watch Melody of Oblivion. I, I don't know. Star Driver's pretty wild. It's pretty wild, but it's not as crazy. Well, Melody of Oblivion does get pretty crazy for no apparent reason. Well, actually for every apparent reason. But <laughs> Like, if you want to see him go crazy, go watch Melody of Oblivion. That's something we'll have to rewatch and consider for... An awesome cast. An awesome cast. But, alright, Kevin, got anything up? To support, or are you going to let Star Driver stand? Um, hmm. I don't know. Uh, There's just been so much. Yeah, I got one thing. I'm not really ready to talk about it on the are, podcast. Are, though, are but, we uh, going Are we going to do a Penguin Drum episode? Because yes. that's a... Yeah. Yes, that, that's, a, that's, that's a given. That's a show that, if you haven't watched it, you need to go watch it, and we're going to do a show on it eventually. Uh, I think I... I'm one of the few people who really wanted to give Final Fantasy XIII 2 a fair chance and actually thought it was pretty good up till the ball-crushing ending. Um, <laughs> Boy, sure guess you're hoping for that DLC. I'm hoping for an actual legitimate sequel. but uh, Well, good luck with that. From what I understand, they improve a whole lot of gameplay systems, the combat's easier, and the characters and plot are even more stupid. Aww. I would disagree with the final point. I'm not sure about combat being easier either. They've streamlined it a bit. Like, it doesn't take as long to switch paradigms anymore. I thought I thought the combat in Final Fantasy XIII was fine. I was just super irritated. I, I don't know if I've ever given my review of Final Fantasy XIII on the awesome cast, so I'm just going to try to quickly rehash it. Because I know I've explained it but to you both in great length, but... I actually really like the characters in Final Fantasy XIII. I think they're really great characters, and their biggest flaw was being in a story that sucked balls. The gameplay, once they actually finally let you play the game, which unfortunately it took way too long for them to let you do, was really fun. It was super fun. Like, I actually, since playing the game, have sat back and have had cravings to want to play it again, but then I realized that in order to play it again, I would have to go through 30 minutes of tutorial, and it's just not mm -hmm. worth it. Um, so, I actually surprisingly like the characters, but again, the story is just, it's just crap, and that's just the most, 
that's just the most hateful thing I can think to say about it. Uh, because like, if you take, if you look at the story and you break down the story into its nuts and bolts, you break the story down into more like the archetypes of what's going on, it actually has the potential to be a good story, and we see evidence of this <laughs> in Full Metal Alchemist, <laughs> where it's basically the same parts, they just did it good. <laughs> Well, you can't really agree, disagree because the story is so convoluted unless you really did this paying attention to it. Like, Doug Dig, you'll never know. Doug says this, and I'm going to take it as fact because I didn't care enough about that story. I actually am not familiar enough with Full Metal Alchemist to compare it, to be honest. But uh... well, well, I'm not saying the stories are the exact same, mm. but I'm saying when you break the two stories down... To their archetypes, you you break them down to the skeleton of the story. They have the same skeleton. It's just in Full Metal Alchemist, they built upon that skeleton. They built this really rich, lush, deep world and plot with uh, dynamic characters and interest and interesting uh, like subterfuge going on and all kinds of stuff. And in Final Fantasy Thirteen, they built crap on it. <laughs> You know what actually is very similar to Full Metal Alchemist in the end? The plot line for the Jedi Knight in Star Wars The Old Republic. <laughs> like, it, it actually really is. I'm going to go, because that's like the later half, and it gets kind of spoilery. I won't explain it, but yeah. I was actually seeing what the actual end of plot was, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's very Full Metal of them. And when I say Full Metal Alchemist, I do, of course, mean Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I do not mean the original Full Metal Alchemist anime that ended in Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Although the manga is also good. We're speaking of manga and also Bones. I don't know if you heard, Kevin, that Vertical is actually putting out the Hero Man manga. That is good to know. So, I, there's another thing. I love Hero Man. If we're going to another Bones, I'm one. I'm one of the like. I'm don't know many other people went. Oh my God, Hero Man was great. I thought it was awesome. And with that, I, I would like to also first point out that yes, you can go to our website, awesomecast.com. You can send us an email at awesomecast at gmail.com. We've also got a voicemail. It may work. I don't know. No one ever uses it. I may just take it down for just taking it down sake. Yeah, I don't know. So send us voicemails if you don't want the voicemail to be taken down. <laughs> yeah, that would be the best way to show us you want us to keep it. It's true. And also, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, because I'm the only one on Twitter, yep. um, it is It's Basil Time. <laughs> it's Basil Time. You kids with your Twitters and your lawns and getting dogs on them and my lawn and Twitter. That's right. <laughs> but speaking of emails, we actually have one. And this is actually a real one, and it's a long one. It was sent to us way back in October. So sorry, Beth, that it took us so long to get to you. Here we go. Good morning. We're actually recording at night. You should have known that, Beth. Mm -hmm. I learned about your podcast from a plug on an episode of Alex White's The Gearheart. Side note, we have known Alex White for almost over a decade now. Oh, man, he, Alex is a great guy. He's a great guy. What the Gearheart is, he, it is his own uh, steampunk fiction that he is... It, I think it's his novel that he actually recreated in, uh, in a podcast form as sort of a... As a um, Sound effecty audiobook. Ah. Uh, That's cool. That's so sort of a podcast radio drama? Yeah. <laughs> but based on his book and yeah. possibly reading of his book, but in a radio drama style fashion. So I have known Alex White for a very, very, very long time. And even back then, even back when we were in high school, Alex White was into steampunk before it was like a thing. <laughs> 
Some people will just say they were into steampunk no. before it was a thing. No, <laughs> some people will say that they were into it before it was a thing. He honest to God was, and like he would all the time be drawn, be dr- like we were in the same art class, was how we knew each other, and he was always drawing, and he was always drawing like the these clock these clockwork type things, these machines that operated off of steam power. He would have these plot lines where the where the fact that everything worked off of either steam or clockwork was very integral to his plot. Like... I really like clockwork stuff. I'm not so much about all the other parts of steampunk, but I love little clockwork things. They're awesome. Well, steampunk is weird in that it honestly is an amalgamation of a bunch of little things that people liked, mm-hmm. and they turn into a fashion statement, mm-hmm. a style of cosplay, and then the whole I- the mythos around the idea of doing steampunk things yeah. then regurgitated on top of that. Yeah. But, and, I, but, I do really like the idea of having little clockwork devices that do way cooler things than anything made of clockwork should really do. Well, you know, uh, in ancient China, actually, like we, a lot of the West doesn't really realize this because China was sealed off for so long. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the ruin, a lot of the ruins that we find in China from ancient China, apparently the Chinese. That's some awesome clockwork. Employed stuff. some yeah. amazing clockwork, just devices that just did things that we don't wouldn't think would be capable of doing with clockwork. They did. Yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff. That's just awesome. But anyhow, just the point to my the point to my addition was actually just you know to assert that Alex White is the real deal. That's <laughs> true. To continue, being unable to resist a podcast called Awesome, <laughs> I promptly downloaded several episodes. That was a few weeks ago, and now I've basically caught up with the last six months or so. Hooray! I commute by bus two hours a day and really need something interesting to listen to. It was enough to determine that you are not the average anime fans, and by that I mean you are, comparatively speaking, more mature, open-minded, and intelligent about your anime selection and reviews. Except for that Kevin guy. Yeah. I trust your opinions and believe you collectively to be ones who can assist me. I have heard Basil mention several times his getting your anime groove back concept, and I admit I am sorely in need of some help in this regard. Ooh. I joined the anime club in high school because my best friend was the president. I had never seen anime before, but he insisted I'd like it. This is approximately one year before Cartoon Network began airing Cowboy Bebop and Adult Swim, and around two years before anime was suddenly the hottest thing since ping pong. I cut my teeth on anime like Akira, Utsayatsura, Love Hina, Tenchi Muyo, Samurai X, Perfect Blue, and Bogum Crisis 2040. My favorite was, and remains to this day, Generator Gall. Dubbed long before anyone knew who the hell Vic Manana was, and containing such a perfect combination of humor, romance, action, fighting robots, time travel, and food love that I've yet to see its equal. I have to admit that's an interesting choice for a favorite, and not one I've heard many times before. But I want to see its equal. I'm tired of watching the same anime over and over again. Similarly, I am tired of wasting valuable time and hard drive space to acquire, in quotes, new anime only to find that it sucks. So my challenge now is to find anime that I'm likely to enjoy that, say, can be found on Netflix streaming. Any advice you can offer in this regard will be most helpful. I'm trying to get my groove back, and I'm discouraged every turn so far. Now a note on My Little Pony, which has been mentioned on your show with some bewilderment a few times. As a girl who was alive in the 80s, I watched the original show. I was pleased to hear that it was being remade, because I remembered it sucking hardcore. (laughs) <laughs> My daughter, age seven, found it and started watching it. She enjoyed it, and that made me happy. One night, and I believe she refers to her, uh, 
referring to the new show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One night I sat down and watched a couple of episodes with her and was pleasantly surprised. It was cleverly written, completely child-friendly, and extremely well animated. Yes. All of which, which are rare enough traits in today's world of children's programming, which I assure you is extremely dismal. I don't think, I don't know if we've had an episode since I've actually seen a couple episodes, and I do have to agree, it's actually yeah, it's, we probably, it's a quality show. We probably should do a whole My Little Pony awesome cast. Oh God. Because. I'm not that familiar with it. I've just seen a couple episodes. Well, well that's something to think about. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I just want to back, I just want to back Beth up here and and say that, yeah, My Little Pony, like the the remake of My Little Pony is great. I, I, I personally like the first season better than the second season, but I'm not complaining about yeah. the second season. Well, you know, for like, review purposes, I wouldn't mind watching some more episodes. I honestly have to say, I, I'm not, I'm not a brony, but you know, I res- I see the quality that went into the show. Well, like the. The reason, like, the whole brony thing happened, like, well, the reason the whole brony thing happened is 4chan, but the reason <laughs> it stuck around and, and 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 we actually have, like, legitimate fans of it is because it's a legitimately good show. Maybe if I'd never seen Sailor Moon before, My Little Pony might have been my jump on <laughs> for cute girly things that are actually awesome. Anyway, that was the extent of her, my interest in the show. It was better than the other shows my kids were fond of, and I was happy that it made my daughter happy. I was amused by a video I saw which, in which a high school-aged boy discussed the physical impossibilities of My Little Pony for a class project, but thought it was odd that a teenage boy would be into something like that. Then, for the first time ever, I learned something from reading YouTube comments. The brony movement is completely ridiculous. Is it a good show? Yes. It is even great. I think so. Guys, it might even be groundbreaking, but it's a groundbreaking groundbreaking show geared towards seven-year-old girls like my daughter. This will fade away, I assure you. <laughs> it's a perplexing phenomenon, but it will not last. Okay, I will stop s- taking up so much of your time now. Great job, keep it up. I'm really enjoying it, and I'm especially looking forward to your inevitable review of Skyrim once that comes out. I know I won't be doing anything else for a while. Thanks. Well, Skyrim has come out, so I guess you better give a review real quick. It's awesome! Skyrim is know. great, yeah. it's huge, and I'm sad to say I quit playing it yeah. when Star Wars came out. You you will feel like a sexy, shoeless god of war after you kill your first dragon. You'll you'll be an invincible warrior of doom after you kill your second dragon, and then the giant will still kill you in one hit. Anyways, My Little Pony might worth also guess, although the brony movement is still very much full in effect, yeah. although I think it has simmered down at least within the collective consciousness. Yeah. I definitely think there are a lot of bronies still left, and we'll see. I'm not sure which are more annoying, annoying brony fans or annoying Homestruck fans. Mm. I kind of think that it's, I kind of think that the whole brony thing, and first of all, when I use the term brony, I mean, girls can be bronies too. Like, (laughs) I'm not specifically referring to guys that are fans of the show. I'm referring to anybody who is above the, above the target age of seven and is a fan of the show. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think that uh, I, I disagree with, with Beth thinking that it's going to fall fade away. I do think it's going to stick around, but I think it's going to stick around sort of in the same way that Sailor Moon has stuck it's gonna around. It's going to be one of those things that if you watched it and you really liked it when it was shiny and new, you're going to remember it. Yeah, it's going to stick <laughs> with you. But um, There'll be like a little cult fandom probably forever. <laughs> I think the biggest problem this show, that show is going to face is the fact that this is a show designed to sell My Little Pony merchandise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
a lot of these bronies and people who are watching it that are older aren't probably going to be yeah. wanting to buy the merchandise because it doesn't actually look. Yeah, like no, the merchandise is crap. Up. I've uh, I've uh, I've seen it at my Walmart. It doesn't really look like the characters. It's uh, um, I do not have them in my possession at the mo at this exact moment. But me and one of my friends went in to buy some of the My Little Pony figures to support the show, and mm-hmm. I will soon have a rarity like she, she like Jess bo- is actually buying them mm-hmm. uh, but I will soon ha- soon have a rarity and a um and a twilight sparkle to watch me study <laughs> well there you go <laughs> but on to the whole that would have been thing, my choices <laughs> uh, as far as Netflix goes I haven't really looked on the Netflix queue for anime Although I did, we did mention earlier, Pacano is a very yeah. good one. Yeah, Pacano is on there. Castle's decent. We mentioned that. Um, on Crunchyroll, I would really highly suggest Bodacious Space Pirates. Now you might go, wait a minute, you just called it Bodacious Space Pirates. It is very much more on the space side yeah. than Pirates, and at the very end, Bodacious, but it's almost like an understatement. It's, Not really. It's more like the. It's more like they. It's more like a sent. It's more like they cast a bunch of cute high school girls to be the main characters, basically to trick you into watching this actual yes. serious science fiction. Yes, stuff. it's. I mean, I don't. Maybe it's a mistake comparing it to Cowboy Bebop, but Cowboy Bebop had kind of that almost hard science edge to a lot of the stuff in the show. So does Bodacious Space Pirates, surprisingly. I mean, this show it, it thinks about things. It's not a stupid sci-fi show that never thinks about how space travel works. It really, in fact, goes into a lot of detail about how their stuff works. Yes, I've heard the basic plate that people have is that it's slow-paced, which is one of my favorite parts yeah, of it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, if it keeps going the way it's going, we'll definitely do an awesome cast about it at some mm-hmm. point in its future. But really, the show, unfortunately, you'd have to buy it, thankfully it's cheap, is actually the subject of tonight's actual segment, which is Redline. Like I mentioned earlier, chances are, if you listen to this podcast, you probably check other podcasts and other review sites and other blogs, and you probably have already heard things like Redline is amazing, Redline is wonderful, and you should watch Redline, and it's all true. 100%, there is no hyperbole for this thing. It is that good. The Redline itself is hyperbole. And I'm sure that you've read them, and you've heard them, and people have talked, and what we say may not infect it, we may just be piling on to what has already been said, but I don't care. You're going to listen to it, and you're going to I like believe... it. Well, they could turn it off. Yes. No, they can't turn it off. I believe I'm, well, qu- I I'm quoting Daryl Surratt when I say there is literally not a frame in the film that you can freeze frame on that wouldn't make an incredibly excellent wallpaper. Yeah. Like, first of all, the animation is beautiful. It's it's very highly stylized. If you liked the eye catches in Gurren Lagan, the entire anime is pretty much animated in that 
that style, and they've taken exquisite work. They've yes. done it exquisitely well. And it's all, like, real animation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, a lot of it was done, it, this thing was made with, you know, took seven years of animation time to make, production-wise. It was directed by Takeshi Koike, as you probably just heard. It was, you know, co-written by, um... Katsuhito Ishii, who's also done some other stuff, and it's it's a tour de force. It is a tour de force in animation, sound, story, everything. And one of the worst criticizations that you can make of this is to say that it's not neat, that it's all flash and no substance, when it is like the exact opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually got some depth on in there. There is a, yes, it's not maybe immediately obvious. Well, the trick is, is that not only can every frame be a wallpaper, every frame is telling the story. Yes. There is not a single bit of wasted space. There's not a no. single bit. And it's one of the things it's, that it took so long to make was that a lot of this stuff was, you know, everything's hand-drawn and they took the time to put everything yeah. in there. It's uh, kind of like hot fuzz in that there's literally no part of the film that isn't important to the story. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And also with so many anime being made nowadays with crappy budgets and unpaid workers and all the stuff that currently makes anime suck when it sucks so bad. Yeah. Even when it's good shows, they can, you know, parts of it can suck. It does, a lot of anime is really guilty of, especially nowadays, of a lot of telling and not nearly enough showing. Mm-hmm. And this red line is almost mostly showing with a little bit of telling. And so unless you unless you realize you know where to look and to look, yeah, you could probably watch this beginning to end as a popcorn flick and enjoy it. Yes. It's possible. I I know myself some popcorn flicks. I enjoy them all the time. This is not a popcorn flick. Well, I think the first time you showed it to me, I watched it and I did think it was kind of a popcorn flick. But there there eventually came a point in the movie when I realized that it was not a popcorn flick. Yeah. Oh. And I realized that I should have been paying better attention, forcing a second watch. There's just, there's so much detail. Like, and then there's things I didn't even catch until, like, the third episode. Yes. As stupid as it's going to sound like one of the main characters, Frisbee, I didn't get that he was supposed to be, that, that he was short. Like, I know that's a weird thing he's not tiny. to catch. I mean, yeah. But but it's true. He is. He, he's very short. And that actually kind of plays into, like, a, a goblin, like a goblin. And ta- you know, Tinker, and it kind of fits how he looks in general. Yeah, he does kind of look like a little green goblin guy. He, yeah, yeah. well, little blue goblin, but in... well, blue green. I don't but know. <laughs> and also, it does play into his character as sort of the uh, not so good character. No, but he's not bad. He, well, he's, he's a bad. little bad, but he's not. Uh, he's not evil by any stretch. Uh, I count I count Frisbee as one of the good guys. Yeah. He, I, he I count him as being in a bad situation. Yeah. I think he I think he is a good character that has honest flaws. But I guess we should explain what Redline is. It takes place in the far flown future where technology is advanced so far that racing is now something that doesn't have to happen, which means that only crazy people do it. <laughs> and so crazy people do, and as it turns out, it's amazing. Yeah, and it's, it's the most shallow of observations. If you thought it's like someone went, the race scenes and Speed Racer were fine, but they were a little dull. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, whenever I've watched it with other people, the first observation that they've made about Redline is that it's very reminiscent of the wacky races. A little like, bit. Like the Hanna-Barbera yeah. cartoon, is that both races that are actually on camera 
but the first race and the second race both have this kind of like wacky races feel to them because apparently there's no rules. <laughs> yeah, apparently if long as your car uses a combustion engine, and that's even in a bit of background dialogue you can totally miss because there's so much other stuff being said at once. It's like, as long as you have a combustion engine, anything goes. Well, it's also, te- you know, quote-unquote, underground racing. Yeah. Of course, it's underground racing that's televised to the galaxy. Yes. It is like Was the- it? You say it's underground racing, and I thought I would. You told me that when I was first watching it, but when I was actually watching it like the third time, like it occurred to me that they never really said it was underground racing. It's just that the planet that they decided to have the final like championship race on didn't want them to have it on their planet, and so that's what made that race underground. Yeah. No, I'm pretty positive. It. They say at some point early in the film that it is illegal underground racing. Huh. That is not supposed to happen and and yet yet it's televised and several planetary governments are complicit in making the race happen (laughs) like and that there is a syndicate that runs it now i'm willing to bet that a lot of these planets that are you know they help endorse it probably form the syndicate (laughs) and my personal belief um and this is going a bit fast whatever is that it's a syndicate where they they place races especially the red line race which happens like every few years it happens every five years every five years it's the big one if it's, you're a racer it's the big one yeah. it's sort of like you know, it's the, the grand championship like, race yeah the first race that you, when you first start watching the show you're already in the middle of the yellow line they also mention a blue line well, I think there's probably various colored yeah. lines they have at various places yeah. that are sort of like the qualifier but, events. Yeah, because but like the, the winners of the blue line and the winner of the red line, or the yellow line event, both end up then at the, the, at, red, at line. the red line. And the red line is like the championship race. And I really do think that the whole purpose of the syndicate is to place the red line on whatever plan they feel as being the most assholes lately. Yep. Well, <laughs> red line just won't be interesting if the whole planetary military force was not trying to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was like an extreme case because you know a lot of people would say normally oh, I'm not going to red. Yeah, line they time. do. Uh, part of the plot, the only reason our main character even gets involved is he was next in line and somebody dropped out. Well, he was like actually like third or fourth in line, and the third. And, yeah, a couple people dro- actually. Several yeah, people recall, dropped out. Right, a couple people dropped out, and like fan voting got him in because they yeah. like he he put on a good show at Yellow Line. Well, well, that's that's the thing about our main character his name is Sweet JP and part of the reason he's called Sweet JP is because unlike everybody else in the race like everybody else is like firing missiles like you know float you know floating on rivers <laughs> missiles gatling guns grappling hooks what anything goes car turns into a giant robot all cool <laughs> JP uh his car is only equipped with defensive capabilities and he really believes in racing and he really just wants to race for the sake of racing. He believes in two things, racing and three-foot pompadours. Yes. <laughs> His pompadour is... It's glorious. It's tremendous. <laughs> it's glorious in all its rockabilly awesomeness. <laughs> it's, it's, poss- it's totally 100% true. Like, uh, I believe the I believe the box art for the cover like extends his pompadour yes. off the screen. There are several images in the actual anime where that is not an exaggeration. Yes, they, they do kind of the lengthening whenever the cars use their nitro equivalent. Like, they go into warp speed is the visual effect. Everything stretches out. 
I mean, it's that kind of stylization in the animation, that kind of stylization that makes it so good looking. Well, there's also a certain point, like when the red line actually starts, the cars actually drop down and they start running the red line, a bass line starts. And I, I feel I need to mention this bass line because it's just so awesome. Because the bass line starts and it pretty much does not stop until the end of the movie. Now there are periods of time where they drop out the music that has a bass line because other events are taking place and they need to, to cut to, pause. to someone else. Or, yeah, they yeah. have to cut to some, they have to cut to another scene or they have to cut to something else that's going on. But if you sit there and you tap your foot to the bass line the whole time, even when it cuts away, when it comes back, it picks up exactly on the beat it left off on. Like it it keeps going. Like the whole thing just keeps going. Yeah, it was really good. It was actually done by a guy named James uh, Shimoji. I don't know if that's a pen name or what. Probably. Although it is really need to be said that, you know, um, Takeshi Koike was mentored by Yoshiaki Kawajiri at Madhouse. Which is not the worst mentor to have by any means. <laughs> well, you know, he's the one who did, uh, directed, you know, Vampire D yeah. and a whole bunch of other really good yeah, stuff at uh, Madhouse. Yeah, Demon Juku, Wicked City, uh, most of his movies involve a guy hero, a mysterious, slightly magical girl, and a weird old man. Well, I could, <laughs> I could very easily see Red Line becoming if it is not if it has not already achieved this status. I could very easily see it becoming a cult classic. Like I think it's got yeah. the same good quality that Akira has to yeah. it. Where I think this is just going to be something that some anime fans are going to consider the best anime ever, and at least other anime yeah. fans are going to concede I'm, that it's pretty good. If either of you know differently, correct me, but I'm given to understand it didn't do well in Japan. I believe it did not do that great in Japan. Um, but, you know, this is not the first thing that um, Koke has done that we've seen. Yeah. He actually did the world record segment of the Animatrix. Yeah. And then he also directed that first trailer reel for the Iron Man anime. The one that everyone thought looked really good. Oh, the good. one that looked really awesome, and then you actually saw the show. Yeah, um. then it was someone else. So he did that trailer. Oh, well, like, he should have done the anime. <laughs> He's probably still busy doing Redline. Yeah, I mean, probably. the thing took seven years. It didn't even hit Japan until 2010, and we didn't get it until this year, January yeah. officially. Although I've not heard, like in the American end, I've not found a reviewer who's really had anything bad to say about it. Like you know, like I said, the worst thing people say is they miss the depth of the plot. but well. And it's totally there. Yeah. And there's a lot of things like JP's yearning for racing, his connections to one of his rivals, Sona Shea, why him and Frizz did what they did, their conditions on the planet, how they, why they went, did what they did to create the team they created and their style of racing that they did. It all makes sense once you put all the pieces together. And we haven't gotten to the all other drivers. No. Um, they're all great. They're all surprisingly all interesting. Some of them don't get very much screen time at all, but they all have definite character. Yeah, like... You don't forget a single one, and you can have no. a favorite one that's not JP yeah. very easily. Yeah. You, and their stuff is shown in their segments they get. Everyone gets their own unique Yeah, it's like tunes. there's like on the TV and they, they have little segments about the racers. And yes, everyone has their own, uh, everyone has their own light motif in the music. I kind of like the two, I kind of like the two girls who are from like the fairy, is it the fairy world or is it just the magic world? It's, um, well, I don't know. They're the Sweetgrass. The Superboys. The Superboys. Who I personally believe are secret agents on behalf of the Queen, and their little pop star ditzy act is all obfuscating stupidity. Well, I assume that <laughs> too, which the fact that we're both assuming that might actually. Make it true. <laughs> well, it might actually make it true. It, it might also imply that maybe there was something deeper in there that, that we still have missed and yes. we need to go back and see. 
but... And, and no one can forget the theme song for Machine Head. Actually, transform into his car. King he, of Kings. Like <laughs> it's it, it's good stuff. He Gory Rider. Gory Rider. You know, the, the corrupt gorilla cop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for adultery. <laughs> you know, who sleeping care. with his boss or coworker cop. I don't know. He was constantly capturing you know the bounty hunters Lynchman and Johnny Boya, who has my favorite theme song. two characters a lot too uh lynchman and boya like boy's the the one with the blue ears the furry the blue one with no, no, furry that, ears. That's, that's uh that's trauma and oh. those are cool the uh, lynchman and i still insist that they intended johnny boy and that's how i usually say it. that's why i usually i really like trauma i like uh, really like trauma yeah like. then there's the humans because there are actually some humans there's in two humans well uh, uh, we're not sure and, uh, Tora, you know they're from they're humans from well Earth. they're from earth we're not sure if like well no that's actually that's actually part of the thing that, really i know yeah and it's like uh, i should say there are other racers that look human we're just not sure where they're actually from yeah there's other humanoid cre- uh, creatures out there uh well if you look very closely at jp and sonashi i think they actually have pointed ears i i could yeah i need to freeze frame because i'm pretty sure they've got characters personal information flashing on screen at times i know like... for a fact that it, well there is because whenever they do the yeah. sec- tv segment they have specialized information on the screen that unless you stop and read it yeah you, you'll miss it but yeah jp does in fact have pointed ears i've looked that, they do look pretty pointy. Uh, and I think Sanji does too, but I would have to recheck it. More importantly, something that I found amusing, I don't know that any of the other, other people watching it with me found it quite as amusing, was two human characters. They always had them doing things like one of them was eating a banana. A lot of times <laughs> they would have one of them make like an eek or an ook sound. They are, they are highly evolved monkeys motif. Yeah, was actually kind of really strong with the two the two human from Earth characters. Perhaps and, uh, that's a comment on the tendency of Japanese television to try to inc- make minority non-Japanese people in their TV shows act like the stereotypes. 
But, but uh, uh, it's a random thought. Sorry. Um, well, no, no, no. It's a perfectly valid random thought. But like, uh, one of the reasons I think that's interesting to point out is that you know the the yellow line, the first race we start out on, is clearly happening on the planet where everybody evolved from dogs. And they are all yeah. such unique looking dogs. Like I know. this is not like a planet of they just pasted the same head on twenty guys. They all are distinct individuals. Like if this was a real planet and you went there and looked just like this, you could tell individuals apart. No problem, and and that's and that's the same everywhere. Yeah, yeah. There's rarely any recycled character designs. There's like, some little green parrot beak guys who all look kind of alike, but even they're a little. Well, variation. no, no. If you look at the, yeah. if you look at them, they, they do have, they do have variations, and it, I think it is supposed to be the same six parrot-looking boys yeah. over yeah. and over again. Uh, I think they're like their own little team of. Yeah, they're know, running about the um, camp they've got where they're getting ready to run the race. And but. as artistically neat as it looks, and how crazy it is. Is they get the points where they want realism really well. Yeah. Like when you go to when you have when on the planet that's pretty much demilitarized zone. Yeah. That's that's like the moon of the planet where they're going to hold the race is a demilitarized zone that has a bunch of refugees. So they decided that's a good place to set up camp because well, the military. I, I, I not actually go there. I actually thought that the explanation that they gave in that was that uh, due to some treaty that the yeah. machine planet had to sign over at one point. It's not that it was really a demilitarized zone as much as as much as the machine planet had signed like an intergalactic treaty well, that, that really it is, was that, a refugee Yeah, that's camp. what it is. That's what right. made it and a real world yeah. can't get there. Like, that's what the real world military cannot Act right. That That's way. what made it a demilitarized oh, zone okay. because they signed treaties to say that they wouldn't bring their military there. But it looks like an Asagod futuristic shanty town. It is. It, it's yeah. a great futuristic shanty town. And you know, there's also times where like the drug lord guy who, you know, Frisbee goes to get his money from. Most anime jokes or cartoon shows in general jokes about doing cocaine. Oh no. This guy does it. Or at least something suspiciously some... similar. <laughs> like, you know, you're getting all of his teeth and gums. Like, thank God there's subtitles because I couldn't understand what he's saying anyway hey, without it he has like high class hookers paid to give him his coat well, treat it right into it well, well they also tr- they also treat high leader mafioso guy is doing cocaine like even with the e- even with the like rapidly swinging mood changes bef- yeah right after he has it and the and the shaky hands before he does it like 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 they do yeah. it all they those treat scenes it all. are not gags they are treating it surprisingly seriously but yeah this is a good show this is a good, great movie. It's cheap. It's like the Blu-ray is like 20 bucks on Amazon. The DVD is like 15 bucks. Yeah. You can probably find just the regular DVD at Walmart because I know they have it at mine. We don't have any of the Blu-ray, but you should get the Blu-ray. If you have the option. <laughs> if you have the option, get the Blu-ray. There's so much detail in each and every scene. And I think we did a pretty good job explaining just why I like this show so much. So we're going to take another musical break and then actually get to the nitty-gritty details on why exactly yeah. in spoiler territory, why we actually think the bits are as good as the bits are.
Again, warning, spoilers. Spoilers. Spoilers that are ahead. It was speaking of the drug lord. Early on in the show, after the big wreck, JP remembers before he wakens up, he remembers the scene of him as a kid watching this gigantic ass car drive by where there's this awesome rich dude with these two women who's making it two women at once and driving by. Yes. And then you realize when you're watching the drug lord, it's the same suit. It's probably the same car or a very similar kind of limo. It's the same guy. Where obviously when they were younger, they are probably very influenced because it's pretty obvious that both Frisbee yeah, Frisbee and JP are poor. Frisbee yeah. and JP grew up poor together. Yeah, they're we've got we get some flashbacks. They you see them being kids and being poor kids having fun as best they can. Like they they mm-hmm. are they, they are poor bros. And then there's another scene where you know Sonache is trying to you know is racing and they're kind of making fun of her for racing and well she crashes like she's she's practiced racing and she crashes into some of the built up tires and they're kind of making fun of her except except for JP who you know tells her you know you, you you did good you did good enough why don't you just pack it up on home like you know no one's going to be ashamed of you for doing everything you've done you know you know that shit just happens and she she curses him out and tells him to stop watching from the sidelines and actually race and and, and I think that was the impetus he had for getting to racing where he and Frisbee get together Frisbee designs and he races it and they eventually get with Pops whatever his name is I like to think it was Pops the weird like four-armed vaguely spidery elfy well, old alien he, guy he, he looks exactly the same as um as Jumanji from uh, Spirited Away the Boiler Room Man he looks very similar yeah he yeah. looks almost identical which makes me think uh, which the similarity is so striking that it makes me think that that must be some Japanese mythological creature that I'm just not familiar with. Mm. But anyways, they get together and, you know, the one thing where they really compete well, they needed money. Mm-hmm. So Frisbee obviously went to this super rich guy they know of who's a drug lord. Yeah. And they got him to, you know, fund it for their, their scheme. Yeah, which they, is for it. yeah they, do, they talk about it. It's like they funded his car, but he lost the race. But but that, that was JP saying was he was a race losing specialist. Well, this is before they did the race losing thing. They do right. explain this in the show. It's like he's telling uh, when Sonoshi asks about him being accused of fixing races. He explains that they got into a race, they funded, but he lost that race and uh, now the little guy's what name was well, Frisbee, Frisbee yeah. got in debt, really serious in debt to the mafia guys from that and that's when he had to start fixing the races. That's right, you're right. To, to, yeah. And that they were running a scheme where he'd start out like in last place and he'd be the, the, the long shot and then he'd start looking like he's about to win to get up, you know, a lot of people putting money down on him until betting was closed and then he'd throw the race. And it's obviously he, at, at this point, he's gotten tired of it. Screw it. Well, it's he wants a- to win. It's actually obvious at this point that JP no longer knows that Frisbee is still doing. Okay, I think in the you're in the yellow line, you're right. Yeah, I think in the yellow line, JP was not aware that Frisbee was still doing this. Yeah. But then when his but then when the accident happened right before he was about to win, he figured it out. Right, because <laughs> he's obviously not happy about it later in his hospital. He, bed. Yeah, in his hospital bed. And I think he trusted Frisbee enough for the red line. Yeah. To like to let, not to, screw him to over. To not screw him over. Like and you know, once they got to the big big race that you know Frisbee and Frisbee didn't want to do it. I mean apparently hopefully if he's seen this movie or not, well guess what he doesn't do it. Yeah, no, no. And he obviously is very conflicted about it. But. Well what are you talking about? I think that for the red line, JP knew exactly what Frisbee was doing. Yeah. But that he trusted Frisbee. I don't think he did. I don't think I don't think JP knew 
I think JP trusted Frisbee because J because Frisbee was his childhood bro from the hood and did not think that Frisbee was going to do it again. But of course, Frisbee did do it again. But you could still tell that Frisbee didn't really want to be doing it again. Was it? Well, there was that scene with the chips, the bag of chips that um, JP yeah. has. Frisbee's like, dude, this is the plan. This is what we have to do. You know we have to do this. And then JP's like, yeah, but once behind the wheel, I'm in charge, right? Well, yes. Okay, cool. And he dumps the bag of chips on his head and he has to take the bad with the good. Yeah. We're a team. Like, that was him. That was, I think JP going like, I know what you're trying to tell me. I don't care. And that's why I think, but I think he trusted Frisbee enough as his best friend to not screw him over in the big race. Yeah. And thank God for both of them that Pops is an awesome dude with a freaking cool shotgun. Yeah, Pops yeah. is awesome. You know, and then that's just one of the things where, like, there's all this thing to it that if you've watched it the first time, you're not going to realize. It. Yeah, you might not get it, but it's there. It's all there. <laughs> you know, and then the whole, like, one thing that um, I actually got this from a person named Tag on a forum called Talking Time, so thanks, Tag, about this whole thing, which apparently Kevin realized, was I that... I thought maybe, like, there's a the de- case, There's yeah. a very good chance that Sona Shea Machine Head might be son and da- daughter and son. Right. Daughter and father. <laughs> daughter and son. Uh, father and daughter. And, and it's because, yeah. apparently, at some point, it's stated, whether it's outside through director commentary or in one of those, like, you know, background images, that Sona Shea Machine Head are the same race and when Sonoche you know when JP walks into Sonoche at the at that um at the fancy restaurant the fancy restaurant in the middle of the desert which is a big you know seafood place yeah, yeah. the fancy um, desert on the shithole planet in the middle of a desert oh she, well she tries to um blow him off I say I'm, I'm waiting for somebody and there was, in fact, a table setting for two. True. And she doesn't know why. You know, she doesn't expect JP there. And she also doesn't expect the next guy, Shinkai, to be there. And then later on, Machine Head makes his glorious interest, and then she waves to him. Yeah. So it's, it, it can be easily inferred that she was waiting for Machine Head. And the plot point of the, the pendant with the steam light. Steam light. And that, you know, it it was a gift from her father, and then later it stated and it's that... it's very, mach- very, very yeah. rare. But only Machine Head's been able to make use of it. Yeah, it's later stated Machine Head's the only guy who's ever been able to use it with without killing himself or wrecking his car. And in the grand finale, you know, the big you know, back and forth banter is, well, JP's in there a little bit, it's really between Sonoshe and Machine Head, like they've known each other for a very long time. Yeah. So it's not, a, and Machine Head is obviously the elder of all the yeah. racers. Well, he, they say the, they say when they're doing little TV interviews to kind of introduce all the characters. They, yeah. I can't remember how many they, times they, they said he won. They say that he's but... the first, that he was the very first, first winner of the red line. Now, it's actually it's actually one of the commentator guys who was the first winner. He run yeah. he won the fifth red line. Oh. I just watched but it again today. But he's won he's won most of them if not all of them since then. Uh. Like, but that still means he's done it for at least a couple of decades. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's very likely that he's probably that's probably why Sonoshe got into racing was because her father was a big racer. I mean this would make sense it's never directly stated in the film which is part of the brilliance in this case but it's I had this thought and uh, other people apparently this is, was is collaborated somewhat by the story. And it's uh, such a such an obviously well realized side science fiction world mm-hmm. and I really think it's really an idea of a we're going to expose conspiracies and stuff by way of street racing yeah yes because I mean, it's seen where world world's like oh god they're televising all our secrets yes I mean they're... yeah like we're, in, we're, we're well into spoiler territory so I think it's safe to go ahead and say the reason that Robo World did not want the red line happening on their planet is because they were developing all sorts of biological 
technological weapons that were outlawed by like what did they call it by like the the United Concession of Na- uh, of Planets or yeah. that's why I say Funky Boy was not supposed to exist. They were working on a lot of stuff that was not kosher with the way the rest of the whatever the, galactic the, government the, the, ra- yeah. the, the rest of the galaxy was not okay with things that machines they were not doing cool it. with self regenerating psychic death babies that are like a hundred feet tall. They they yeah. <laughs> go that, big. Yeah. <laughs> Inexplicably in the middle of this anime, in fact there are two giant Eldritch abominations fighting. Then they get back to racing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's one of the moments where like when I was mentioning earlier where where the, the baseline stops, it's because two Eldritch abominations get woken up and start fighting and the racers have to go, Oh shit, what's that? Get back in their yeah. cars. A good chunk of the beginning <laughs> of the red line race is in fact just them trying not to get killed by the military. <laughs> and it's a really neat way how they pace the film mm-hmm. where they give you this at first of 13 minutes of just non-stop racing. Yeah. yeah. Awesome racing. And then they give you lots of backstory building let the characters actually act, act the characters. and shy. And it gives you A, a chance to see them outside their cars. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to see all the characters outside the cars. Every single you know, one scene whether it's Lichman and Johnny Boya like sabotaging. I mean, which it, was, they were, which in was. In the middle, in the middle of the red line, like, cause, cause two of the characters, like two of the characters, it turns out are actually from the machine world and yeah. had like left the military <laughs> in order to become bounty hunter, in order to become bounty hunters and slash or racers. But their one friend that they left in the machine world mil- military is so like pissed off and upset with him that in the middle of the red line race, he decides he's joining. <laughs> he, he decides he's joining and he's now one of the competitors in the race. <laughs> I think he even gets tracked at some point yeah. as an official competitor. And, and I really do think in Syndicate League, what they do is they go, okay, who's been the biggest assholes lately? Let's throw the red line on there and then screw them over. And then actively make sure that they can't do shit to us. Because, you know, let's put John Boy, they had that giant... Yeah, they to, sabotage know. their giant death ray cannon. They send people in, like, powered suits to sabotage the main power source for the planet's bigger defenses so that you they're know, really kind they of limited. They were trying to yeah. activate Funky Boy so that they could capture it on camera. Yeah. Like, the whole point was a, not only was it a race, but also a concerted effort to screw over Robo World, which I yeah, think is a ginormous, like, American military parody. Yeah, and I noticed yeah. their, their logo, if you kind of squint at it, turns into a swastika. <laughs> yeah, the logo very strongly resembles a swastika. It only has three three wheels to it instead yeah. of four but it's still it's still a strong enough representation but yeah if you listen to what the robo world guys are saying but at the same time <laughs> one of the robo world guys looks like captain america yeah he does yes yes he yes. looks yes. like captain america merged with captain falcon with the, pump, yeah. the metal pump yeah what i was gonna say is that if yeah. you kind of i can't say cover your eyes because you won't see the subtitles but i mean if you stop looking at these these are a bunch of weirdo cyborgs and robots and just listen to what they're saying it does kind of sound like kind of the extreme jingoistic version of America. Well, specifically, like, the, the let's bomb Iraq and yeah. stuff of the Bush era. Like, it really... Yeah. Yeah. Really seems really, really, like... Bush administration. I don't, I don't, I don't know that we want to get that political with our own, with our own country. But I do think it is safe to say that the the negative at like they're they are talking the negative aspects of super militarization. Yeah. That that was present. That you know America did unfortunately look that way to the rest of the world when we were trying to police the war. Yes, I mean I'm certainly through from a foreign eye. I can definitely see the interpretation. But yeah, so it looks a little bit like. 
like a swastika, but at the same time, it sounds an awful lot like Amer like a like American. We have to police the world bullshit, and yeah. one of the guys looks like Captain America. <laughs> I think more than sp- being a commentary on America, though, I think it's a commentary on just hyper militarization. Yeah, most likely, yeah. Like like, and that's why the the Nazi symbol is thrown in there is not actually to say Americans are zombies. It's actually to distance to distance those sets of characters from America and just make it more about super militarized people. Yeah, it's true. And also Nazis. <laughs> nobody likes nobody likes Nazis. Nobody likes Nazis. Nazis. <laughs> but we like racing. We do and like racing. Man, red white gives you some great races. Yes. It, it is incredible the crazy stuff they do. And, and I the know, very I was like I know they only get two races, but the races themselves are so good. Oh, they're intense. It, it doesn't matter. Like when you watch when you finish watching the movie, like I do not smoke. I have never smoked. I have never picked a, up a cigarette. But when I finish watching that movie, just about every time I finish watching that movie, I go, "Damn, I want a cigarette." <laughs> It's like it's it's just it's that intense and that satisfying. Red Red Lion's one of my favorite movies ever. Mm-hmm. Like it's it might actually beat out Adolescence of Putain now for my favorite movie. Oh, never with me, but it's up there. It's up there now. Like and it's <laughs> definitely my I've said it's my favorite anime of last year. It may end up also be my favorite anime this year, at least released in the U.S. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I do have to say now that we've kind of graduated to talking about the near end of it, end of the movie. The first time I saw the end of the movie I was a little bit like I was a little bit flabbergasted because I was like where's the resolution you know because the movie ended and I didn't I didn't feel that it should have ended I thought there should have been more there should have been more scenes and I was definitely left wanting more and Basil actually like I, and I was voicing this opinion you know where's where's the resolution where's the follow-up you know where's where, where's all this and Basil pointed out what resolution what more resolution do you need it and it it, it does it does cut off. It does end a little bit sooner than is conventional, but it ends exactly where it needs to end. The boy wins the race. The boy gets the girl. What else do you need to know? Yep. And you know, actually, what I really like about Redline is at the end of the race, when all said and done, and even the people who didn't win are like, damn, that was an awesome race. We need to do that again sometime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all happy. I mean, they're like, awesome. This was great. This was the best race ever, guys. Kind of, you know. You know, they're, it, well, it shows that in the end, well, as competitive as they are, they're still friends. They're yeah. still compadres padres. they're still you know rivals but they're all but it's friendly competition this was yeah this was definitely a case it, where they're, they're they rivals are, they're not enemies yeah I like that I like that there, there's not well the robo world guys are the villain I mean you know Machine Head is the guy to beat for the race but, but he's, he's not, not really evil. a villain he's not evil like, he's just the best damn racer so far well and also he built himself to be the best yes. damn racer so far I mean he's the he's, only he's guy earned it. You you know, he's, he's more he's possibly more cyborg than he is whatever humanoid race he started off as yeah and you know it took you know jp's their crazy car to be able to create a vehicle that could actually with handle steam a li- uh, steam light they actually didn't even know that yeah that was They're just like, such what the hell? crazy and who knows they may not be able to win the next race because they don't have any more steam lights uh i'd also like to point out that uh what actually caused them to win the red line was actually the bomb <laughs> yeah yeah that actually, uh, uh that yeah. frisbee had implanted to throw off the race they yeah. instead like when they realized that JP was actually gonna win it and, and 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 you know fuck the drug lord they were actually gonna win this thing they actually used the explosion to give them just a little extra speed and just so he can win by a hair on his pompadour <laughs> did you know 
the very last minute, like, oh, whatever, fuck it, boom. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. drunk, who cares? Ah, <laughs> uh, it's such a such a well-built movie. It is. It's it, it's so great. And, and I really wish that more people, I hope eventually it makes its money back. I really do. I, I doubt that anyone will ever be able to get this sort of dream, I get to work on this for seven years thing again. Yeah. Like, it's really sad that you know, this just might be, you know, Takeshi Koke's best film, not because he's not a great director, because I think he is, but I don't know if they'll ever give him the time or the budget to pull something off like this ever yeah. again. Yeah. Like, because th- this was just amazing. And, and it's a real shame that we just cannot get cartoons like this. I mean, the only people who, who have the budget to pull something off like this, I think, again, would be Disney. Yeah. Yeah. And, Dis- and, and you know, Disney's not co- going to commit seven years no, to work on right. something. They commit they commit maybe three years at best. And, and you know, and I guess, you know, Studio Ghibli can, does really good animation. It does. You know, and they're really good. But they're always going to do the more family-friendly yeah. fare. And while I'm sure Red Line is fun for the whole family. Yeah, there's nothing... Re- well... Well... Yeah, in fact, I'll- it's one of my favorite humorous scenes. There's a the scene where uh, Sono she she's in fact watching her own little segment on the TV and they're talking about her her engine and you get a shot of her bending over her car and it's like she's like oh my god they're focusing on my ass I hate it when they do that and she's sitting in a chair topless and we're looking at her boobs <laughs> which is like one of my favorite bits. Well, it's a great scene. But yeah, okay, that's only turns us to our sort of R rated, but it's fun for the whole family. I would say if you're not too hung up on your kids seeing a little bit of boob, I mean it's not really yeah sexual. like like. It- it's actually the TNA that that brings the now the, the, the rating uh, up, and there's actually not even yeah. that much of now, it. The Super Boins, the two really busty racer oh, chicks, yeah. they're kind of provocative, but they're not ever actually naked, mostly. <laughs> when we were doing the intro, I accidentally sang like "Rock Over Japan" theme for uh, from Penguin Drum, specifically because of those two girls. <laughs> like something about those two girls reminded me of the two pop stars from uh, I can Penguin Drum, which is funny because that actual song is from like I think a nineteen eighties, yeah, nineties. It's like a cover. Like of a, rock it's band. like a cover of a real yeah, rock band, song, like, where, which is not nearly as ironically funny when there's a guy singing it. but okay we'll be right back with our final ratings final ratings awesomes out of awesomes can we give red line can i give it red awesomes or are yes. we doing actual like numbers now no it's, it's still the same awesomes we've always given okay then i give it red awesomes in a line <laughs> crap that was my idea <laughs> kevin go <laughs> i give it a whole steam light of awesome cool i'm then i'm gonna give it one gigantic enormous pompadour at the speed of light of awesome that's just enough to win the race and go buy this yeah it's yeah. 20 buy bucks this. on amazon it's reasonably priced dear god how much anime can say that these days buy this shit for and i am one that can say you can 
because I, A, imported it from Japan to watch it the first time, so I couldn't wait, which that was 60 bucks by itself. And then I bought it again on Blu-ray for myself, but then I decided to host a Redline viewing party where I then bought another copy on Blu-ray and a copy on DVD to give away. <laughs> I won the copy on Blu-ray. I technically didn't buy it. I won it from Basil. I won it from Basil's competition. But by gum, it was purchased, and you should purchase the purchase this. It needs to be supported, so please do. You will not regret it unless you hate life or racing, which is like the same thing. I don't know. I don't Come really on, care. You like NASCAR. This is yeah. way better. I was going to say, I don't care much about racing, per se. Yeah, I, yeah, I, like, I, I don't... I don't I, give a crap about racing. I, I love this movie. I also like love the Speed Racer live-action movie, and that I don't care about racing, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, God, the Speed Racer live-action movie. It was not so much about racing as it was about the blood sport of the future. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in a sense, you know, while it is family, you know, much more, you know, friendly competition compared to the guys in Speed Racer. Yeah. But this one sort of has that same sort of, you know, weapons and vibe to it. Yeah, gadgets, yeah. weapons, a crazy, over-the-top driving action. But, you know, Taylor, some of these people could die, and people do die in this film. Yeah. You know, no one, none of the main characters do, but tons of random people do get blown up, incinerated. It's random, and it's mostly Robo-World being assholes is directly responsible. Mm-hmm. It's true, whether it's good or bad. For even Rebel World. Yeah. But yes, please, go buy this. It's good stuff. You won't be sorry. I, yeah, I really can't think of, if you like anything that's good, you should like this movie. <laughs> so go buy it. Welcome back to the Awesome Cast in 2012. Woo! We'll be back again, but until then, we are out. See you later.
Spoken 